0: If you'd like to receive a free copy of our top 10 resources based on the guests and the subjects that we've covered here on the show, please go to educationonfire.com and on that homepage there's a chance for you to pop in your email and we'll send it to you direct to your inbox. Today I'm chatting to Katie Alexander. Katie is the brainchild behind The Remarkables, a small family-run business set up to combat the lack of diversity in games and books. A new comic book is turning real-life science heroes into superheroes, bringing diverse pioneers of science and engineering to a new generation of young leaders in an exciting and engaging format. Now, Katie is bringing the stories of these scientists and engineers, particularly women, individuals from minority ethnic backgrounds and people with disabilities, to life for children aged 6 to 12. Now, This is produced with dyslexia-friendly fonts. The new comic is designed to inspire, educate and excite young readers. Now, just before hearing about this exciting project, here's a quick thank you to our sponsor. Thank you to the National Association for Primary Education for their long-term support of the Education on Fire podcast. To get a free e-copy of their professional journal, Primary First, please go to nape.org.uk forward slash journal. That's nape.org.uk forward slash journal. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. This is gonna be something which I think so many people are gonna be excited about, combining a lot of the things which they will love as a child and also want to be sharing with uh, the children in their life, whether it's um, teachers to their pupils or parents uh, to their children. So tell us, what is The Remarkables? Where did it come from and some of that history behind it?
1: Um, well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so the, the Remarkables, we're a, a very small family-run educational games business. Um, so currently out out of out of the kitchen um, and um, I set it up initially to, for, my, for my daughter. So at the very beginning, um, it was a kind of concept where I would make games um, and books at home for my daughter to, to kind of give her more diverse role models to aspire to because it just was lacking in a lot of the games we played and, and some of the books that she would read both at school and, out, and in school and outside of school. Uh, so I started by making kind of trading cards and and kind of drawing stories for her that highlighted um, science role models, whether they're engineers, inventors, um, mathematicians, uh, as superheroes. So I would take their discoveries and turn the discoveries and inventions into a superpower and create stories around it. And she absolutely loved it. It, it kind of helped ignite her passion for space, uh, which she's kind of four years later is still really passionate about. Um, And I think, you know, we would take the games when we went out and people would see us playing and they would start asking about it. And after kind of six to seven months of this happening, I thought, oh, maybe there's something here. Uh, So I created the first game, Top Quarks, which is a Top Trump style game and started selling it. And it kind of all went from there. And now we're looking to launch our first comic
0: book. Yeah. so, So tell us about that. Tell us how the comic book... Uh, I guess it's a natural development, isn't it, from everything that you that you just mentioned? And and what are you trying to achieve um, beyond the, the the game as as an idea in terms of reaching people and their their sort of interaction? Uh,
1: so trying to achieve again just a wider diversity of role models and not just gender. Um, so having being a neurodiverse um, individual, it's so important that everyone sees the the breadth of what science really is and everyone who contributes to science. Um, and that could be, you know, gender, uh, race, um, you know, disability as well. So having role models, uh, out there that children can kind of aspire to and, and look at and say, I can do that too, uh, is, is a big part of it. And then also telling, telling a story and kind of exciting children around science through comic books just seemed a natural step. Um, One, I love comics, I'm a massive Marvel fan, Um, and being dyslexic as well, reading comics is just a lot easier for me. So understanding the concepts uh, behind the science through storytelling is a big part of how I learn. And so being able to share that with younger generations is really important for me.
0: And I think... This is where things really come to life when we're we're talking about creating things in the in the real world. Like I said, you know the the games came from your conversations with your daughter and wanting to create a world for her. And then I can see exactly how that would then work from a comic book point of view. Like I say, it's something which you enjoy, it's something you understand, it's something that you can sort of put your f- full self into and and understand how the people then reading it and viewing it actually can see it as well. And I think that's where that's where the excitement really comes because I guess you can see your younger self or even yourself now in the people that are reading it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think looking looking back to, to my childhood, I I didn't get any of these role models. Um, so being dyslexic in, in the kind of 80s and 90s at school was a very, very different learning experience for me. Um, and there were many things I thought I just couldn't do because of the way I learned. So having... Being able to showcase to children so that they can truly get excited and start to ask questions about and see themselves doing similar things. You know, even if one child out there changes one child, then I will be incredibly excited.
0: <laughs> and I think, I think that is it, isn't it? And I know I've, I've told this story before on the podcast, but as a, as a professional musician, one of the reasons I believed that I could be was because as a child at school, I was able to see the person who was a few years older than me who was in the junior wind band and then they were in the senior wind band and orchestra county orchestra then they were, went to music college and then they came back and they seemed to be performing as professionals and i was sort of that one step be below that but i could see that pathway i could see that step i could see this becoming a reality given there's a lot of steps that you don't know at that time as well but like you say it is it's that understanding that there is a way and these are people that i can relate to um, and, and it's really hard to do that in a black and white setting, isn't it? It really is that kind of breadth of saying, oh, but I'm not like this person, but I am like this person, or they. this path is something I don't understand, but this path is something that I do, and I guess that's where the breadth comes and what you can actually tell within the stories.
1: Yeah, and also I think just having a different way of seeing the world, um, and, and many of the, the scientists, and, and some of them are, are still living today, that I either interview or... kind of research online and and turn into superheroes you know there many of them are dyslexic um, or um, may be visually impaired um, and it hasn't stopped them and I think it's such an important message for children out there that it actually gives you an edge and it it, it can make you do something that you probably never thought possible Um, so you just got to try.
0: Yeah I love that so tell me a little bit about what's real and what's your imagination in terms of, you know, like say that there are real people that you've interviewed in that you know that you're turning into superhero- heroes. So, so where does real life sort of stop and in, in, in the fantasy kind of take over?
1: Um, so for the games, the, the fantasy is probably around the superpower, so it will relate to their, to their discoveries. Um, for example, Mary Anning uh, was, a, was an archaeologist and her superpower is fossilization because she discovered a number of dinosaur fossils. And I will create like a small little backstory to it that interweaves some, some real life stories. So, you know, in her backstory, she got hit by lightning and gets her superpowers when she was hit by lightning. Um, in real life, actually, when she was about one years old, the nurse holding her was hit by lightning and died, but Mary Anning survived. So I add little kind of, I use their real life, but I'll add a, a twist to the story that turns them into that, into that superhero. Um, and in the games as well, a lot of the categories that you would find in, in a, in a top, top Trump's game will relate back to their discoveries. Their sidekick will either be someone they worked with as a scientist or someone who influenced them or someone in a similar field. Um, and it's the same with Katsuko in the comic book Radio Fallout. So Katsuko was a, a Japanese biochemist who studied the spread of radioactive fallout. Um, America was doing a lot of nuclear testing after the second world war in the Pacific and and she discovered that it was causing, you know, had devastating effects. And so she helped actually bring an end to above ground nuclear testing through her research. And so there are little bits of her life that are in the comic book. Um, you know There's stories about how she would sit in school and stare out the window at at rain and wonder where it came from. That's that's in the story. Um, And then of course, a lot of it is just the fantasy she has to fight, you know, Doctor Oxidization, and, and save the world, and it it's kind of interweaving it so that as you read it, you you learn a bit about her, without almost realizing it, um, and then at the end of the comic book, there'll be a full biography so that the children can understand who she really was as well.
0: I love that. I love the like you so say. That's that's a really. Amazing way, I think. Of uh, well, you said it perfectly. It's interweaving like um, all all those all those elements together, and then to actually to be able to see almost the real person in black and white at the end of it, like you said, with that is is fantastic. So, tell us a bit about where you are in terms of the reality of the comic. In terms, of, I know you got a Kickstarter, and, and and where where you are in that journey.
1: Uh, so, the Kickstarter launched. We've got uh, about 19 days left, and we're kind of 60, almost 70 percent there. Um, and we're hoping to uh, raise about seven thousand five hundred pounds to produce the comic and kind of all the shipping, um, and and get it out to some some schools as well. Um, and then we've got some stretch goals where uh, I would love if I can meet the the first stretch goal would be to give a copy to every single public library in London. So we're trying of trying to aim as well to to make sure we can just get this out to as many children as possible.
0: That's fantastic. And, and how long is the is the process been been going in terms of when you decided the comic book was the way to go in, and then writing it and putting it all together? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, so it's been well over a year. I was hoping to launch last year, but the pandemic threw a, a spanner in the works between the kind of homeschooling and, and everything else. So it was delayed by a year. But uh, I'm working with some great partners, um, Deco Comics. Um, they're a, a comic book a company who works specifically for curriculum um, and dyslexic-friendly fonts and kind of translating the curriculum into, into story, um, and an incredible artist as well who's going to be helping me. So for the comic book, I won't, I won't be doing most of the artwork um, if I want to deliver it on time. <laughs> so getting some help on that front. Uh, and so the process has been great. It's kind of mapping up the story. Uh, we've got like an initial kind of couple-page teaser, um, and even while the Kickstarter is live, I've been kind of fine-tuning the entire story for the the 24 pages so it's been it's been at least a kind of couple year process.
0: Wow and you talked about getting it into libraries there in London I guess even being curriculum based this is something which any child that one likes comics and two likes that kind of history and science and and all of that ideas no matter where they are in in the UK or further afield.
1: Yeah exactly so we'll There will be some educational kind of resource supplement materials at the end as well that will look at um, um, especially kind of um, acidification of oceans Uh, one of the other things that katsuko is famous for is the shorohashi table which was where she classified the um, acidification in oceans Uh, and so there'll be something around that as well that can kind of fit into the curriculum which can be used to kind of further explore so i think bringing A lot of the times when, when we learn science as kids, it's very exciting. So I can see with my youngest daughter, she's, she's seven now and she, she's just, she loves it. And then there's that as they get older, it's almost the fun kind of hands-on nature of it can disappear a little bit. So the aim is to, you know, learn a concept and then hopefully be able to refer back to some incredible real life people. Who have put this into practice? Who either discovered it or have used it to change the world for the better, um, and provide role models so we're not kind of always pulling off the shelf the same scientists. You know, it's not always Albert Einstein and and Ada Lovelace, no matter how much I love them. Um, so that the children can you know not just see different different uh, representations of science, but they can also see how it can be put into practice, the difference it makes in the real world. And I think that's really important for understanding science and kind of really learning to appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And, and, And just tell me a little bit about how you think that step entering that world through a comic is for people in terms of what you said i i know we've talked about the fact that it's something which you related to and something that you liked as well but like you say that there's there is that perception that actually um i'm going to be doing science now and here's a textbook and, and, and like you say there's that sort of traditional sense so if you have, have had any feedback about how it would feel different both for the people kind of um learning through it and 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 maybe schools or, or people that have had some some input already
1: yes yeah, so i think it's complementary to the the kind of curriculum-based teaching through textbooks, but it's also everyone learns differently, you know, whether you're neurodiverse or not. And just having different ways to approach topics with children, whether, you know, you dive into something like a comic first and then start studying the kind of, the more kind of curriculum-based approach or you do it the other way around. I think it's really important to offer just different ways of assimilating information. Because you might have a class of 50 kids, 10 of them might learn through or get interested on the topic through a comic, 10 might be doing it just through video. So it's it's just trying to complement the learning.
0: I think that's just mirrors brilliantly what you said in terms of, of the stories that you're telling as well, in in, in terms of that kind of even, even understanding that the way I'm learning is different than the person sat next to me or the person in, in a different class. And, um, had a very interesting conversation with Jonathan Levy on the show before, and he was he was struggling to learn the stuff at school and went home and learnt it on his own because he kind of realized that I do understand it, I just don't understand it that way and um and then to realize that that just that might just be the reality of how it is for you at, at the moment, you know it might be that your setup happens to be like that, but knowing that you can then learn it differently or approach it differently or like you said I can relate to this because I know this person did it differently Um, I think that is such an important factor and I think the more these kind of things become mainstream in terms of people just being aware of it which is why I loved what you said it it being in a library or getting it into every school or, or being on the podcast so we can just talk about it in those ways I think that just changes the whole feel of what education is for so many people and I think then you can get excited about I guess for me, I I think of education in lots of ways as a tool. It's kind of, you know, I want every child to to thrive and to be their best self. And that's different for every child. And, you know, the gifts you get by learning things in school and how your education does enables you to further that because you understand how to articulate it or to find your gifts or to do it. And then that becomes a very different idea of what being a youngster is and and how you're going to progress. And like I said, I think seeing this in that kind of way can only be an enhancement for that kind of thing.
1: I hope so. And I, and I think as well, if, if you're interested in what you're learning and it really excites you, you'll have, you'll have more fun, which means you'll remember more and you'll want to dive into the subject more. If you're not interested in your board or you're not um, engaged because of the way it's taught or because maybe you don't grasp the, the subject or the, the, the understanding of the concept because of the way it's being taught you're going to turn off and you're just not going to learn it as much and you're not going to enjoy it and learning should just be about enjoying finding new things and discovery.
0: Yeah absolutely I love that and is, is there a teacher or a situation that you remember from school that kind of gave you that kind of excitement that you can tell us about?
1: Well so I I guess my my, my learning experience was was very different I hope to I mean, I can see, I guess, with my seven-year-old, right? It's, it's thankfully very different. Um, I had one year in a specialist school for neurodiverse children, which was fantastic. It was probably what really saved that passion for learning that I still have. Um, and then after that, I was, uh, I was kind of in mainstream and I think kind of a story you hear very often is, you know, you're basically told that you're just too stupid so I did go through most of my kind of learning and educational years, even into university, just being told I wouldn't be able to do it because of how my brain kind of assimilates information. And it's not how my brain assimilates, assimilates information, which is the problem. It's how it's being fed to me that was the problem. And when you're young, you don't realize that. And it can be quite soul destroying. Um, and I think one of the reasons why doing a lot of this is so important to me is that that feeling is awful to have as a child and you know being able to avoid that feeling for any kid out there is worth it.
0: Yeah I think the the way you put that is is perfect just knowing that you're the 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 square peg in a round hole thing doesn't mean to say that you're the peg that's wrong. It might be that the hole that's wrong. Exactly. (laughs) And and I I, I think once you, but like you say, when when you're young, you know, you just take what you see around you, don't you? So this is how it must be because this is what everyone's telling me. Or, you know, how whatever the percentage of people who are doing it one way and don't seem to find it an issue, therefore it must be me that's wrong. Just you know, starting from the fact that everyone is can do it in their own way. And I think, yeah. As as we've said, <laughs> the more we can get that message out, the the better it's going to be for so many people. Um, and 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 given those experiences, and like I said, you know, having experienced it through into into university and everything, was there any advice that you were given which would um, that made a big impact, or or is there any advice you'd give your younger self now, sort of going through that, that would kind of sort of give give you a different mindset or a different way to be that would then sort of Boost you in, in in a way that maybe you didn't have naturally while you're going through it.
1: Um, I think some of the advice would have been, it does get better. Which when you're when you're when you're a kid or even a teenager, you, I mean, any any a, str- a year is too long, right? It feels Absolutely. like an eternity. <laughs> um, I think it would be just hang in there. It does get better. Um, but I think the other bit of advice, or what I think would have really made a difference, is if. I could have met or learned of other people in similar situations, you know, who just had a different approach to learning and succeeded. that would have made a real difference.
0: Yeah. And and I'm, and I love the fact that that's continued through into such a positive way in everything that, you, that that you're that you're doing now and um and you said you're sort of a small family business how, how big is the family business <laughs> in terms of basically me <laughs> <laughs> and your daughter saying this does work i love doing this i don't how to do
1: it yeah <laughs> uh, it's me and, and i have to say my 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 husband helps out a lot and my daughter is she's the guinea pig right so she's yep. been in an, her and her friends are great testers
0: yeah, and, and they're beautiful beautifully honest, aren't they, as well? And uh, you know, you know exactly what's working and what isn't. If they're anything like my kids anyway. Yeah, all
1: yeah. the nieces, nephews, they they all they all are guinea pigs for very, very kind of first concept ideas. So they've yeah, been amazing.
0: Great. Love it, love it. Um and is there a, is there a resource or anything that you'd like to, to share with everyone that you think would have a, a supportive impact for them?
1: Um so the website has we have a bunch of free resources as well. Um and always we'll We'll try to do that. Every superhero has a increasingly has a fact file. So I'm slowly building out the fact files for every single one where you can learn about them as superheroes, why we turned them into superheroes. You can also get a small biography of who they really were. And then there's supporting materials around things they may have discovered or kind of um, video explanations on some kind of core concepts. So you can dive in and, and learn a bit more about topics. And it ranges from earth sciences straight through to astrophysics
0: fantastic and and just we'll have a link to this on the show notes as well but just tell us what that website is
1: so it's www.theremarkables.com So remarkables ending in a z
0: Rem- ending in a z yes absolutely. for my daughter's first name <laughs> oh fantastic <laughs> very nice and it's and it's great for people to remember as well isn't it they can sort of um and anything which just gives you a little bit of a uh, a, a peak of memory, I think, it certainly works for me in terms of that, like you say, what what works for different people and how that goes. Well, fantastic. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Um I, I love the passion. I, I love the I love the story behind it. And it's it's the reason I love the podcast so much is the fact that it always feels very different when you, you've heard the, the human element behind what it is that people are creating. And I think, like I said, the more people can hear stories like this, both in terms of what you're creating, but in terms of your own story as well, and, and how that can fit into benefit everyone's life. I think that's just brilliant. So yeah, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me.